Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On the Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. So normally the first place you'd go in a conversation with a recording artist with a brand new project, who's also a worship leader, a pastor, a professor, a husband, and a dad would simply be, so how on earth are you keeping all the plates spinning at once, sir? But on top of all of that, Charles Billingsley is one of the millions of Americans to be diagnosed with COVID-19 this spring. Now officially recovered after a hard-fought battle with a particularly vicious case of the strange new virus, this is a man in a place of profound gratitude refreshed purpose into joy you can't miss. Charles, it's always the polite thing to ask first, but more meaning than ever in this question today. How are you doing, good man? Uh, well, I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for having me on your show. And it, it is an honor to, to be alive <laughs> on this side of the soil. And uh, it has been quite the spring, I will, I will say. Man, how did you first start to notice that, that something was off? Well, you know, we were, it was my 26th wedding anniversary, and I was at dinner, and um, I was at dinner with my wife, and I, I felt a fever coming on. Well, the next day, I, I went out golfing with friends. You know, I didn't really think much of it. The next day was Sunday, and, uh, and uh, you know, I had this, like, little low-grade fever, but really wasn't, you know, anything to be of concern, so I didn't think it was any big deal. Well, well, well Sunday afternoon, it hit me really hard. And uh, by Monday morning, I was running 103 degree temperature and just feeling rotten. Wow! And I thought, okay, either I've got the flu or maybe it's this COVID thing, but I can't imagine because nobody in our area had it, you know, that we knew of. Yeah. Um, and so um, I go to the doctor, and he's uh, he's my good friend, and and he checked me for the flu, and it came back negative. And then he said, well, just for fun, I'll check you for coronavirus. Well, sure enough, on Two days later, on uh, April Fool's Day of all days, um, I get this uh, positive test back from him on, on telling me that I've got the coronavirus. And I was like, what on earth? So, you know, from there, I just kept having these horrible fevers and aches and pains and headaches and all the mess that comes with that stuff. 103 degrees for about 12 days straight. And uh, it was just miserable. I can't even remember those days, to be honest with you, really? Ryan. I think I would just sort of stare out the window into space, you know, and, and I would try to read and stuff, but I, I just, you know, once your fever gets that high, you're just kind of dazed out, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was quarantined up in an upper room in our house, and, and my wife would come up, and <laughs> the strangest thing, man, she would bring me uh, a buttered bagel and grapes every morning. And that, that became the highlight of my day. Uh, I, I think it's because every night I would just wake up in these sweats and, you know, from the Tylenol and the fever breaking and my entire bed would just be soaked. And so about four o'clock I'd get in the shower and I remember I'd try to wash my hair, but I was, I was so out of breath from washing my hair that I had to lean against the wall for like three minutes. 
And then I'd put in conditioner and do the same thing. So I knew that somehow, some way, this thing was going into my lungs as well. And sure enough, my doctor came over on April 9th and checked my lungs, and I had double pneumonia, and he checked my oxygen. It was really low. And, and so he said, look, you got to go to the hospital. And I said, when? He goes, right now. I said, what? So I ended up in the hospital for Easter weekend, and that was a horrific experience. Um, I feel so sorry for the people that work there because they work so hard, but it's, you know, they're, they're at such risk. And so I feel so bad for them, you know, but they, uh, they, they took good care of me, but I was pretty miserable the whole time. And, and, uh, I think those three days though, were, were the times that the Lord really, really spoke to me. And, and, um, and I, I mean, I wouldn't take it back for anything, although it was completely miserable while I was going through it. Um, but I, I finally got out of the hospital and that's when the, um, that's when the, uh, the blood clots in my capillaries uh, and, and both legs started. And that was uh, the most painful part of this whole thing. Cause I couldn't walk for six days. Literally. I, I felt like I was, my legs were just about to break. And then, um, and then finally that decided to start to dissipate. And my fever started going away about the same time. And, and about uh, 12 days or so after I got out of the hospital, I was finally declared COVID virus and uh, boy am I thankful because this virus if it grabs hold of you like it does some people like it did me because I had a pretty severe case um, it will hold on forever I've I've seen cases in the news of people having this for over 50 days and I I tell you man I had it for 24 and that was way long enough for me buddy well the thing that that radio does not do justice to is the fact that you are fit as a fiddle. I mean, you look like, sir, you look like Jack Bauer from 24 in fighting shape. <laughs> Honest well, goodness. I assure you, <laughs> I've never saved the world. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, point being, if you can get it, I mean, anybody yeah. can. And it, it is, it is yeah. rough, rough stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people get very light cases. Like, I think even my son probably had it. But, you know, in four or five days, he was fine. Uh, we've had other cases in my church where the people, you know, it's not a big deal. But then other people have ended up in the hospital. I think it must have to do with DNA or blood type or something. But sure. but for me, Ryan, um, it hit me hard. In fact, it hit me so hard. My blood work was so terrible and my x-rays were so bad. My doctor told me, he said, bro, if you weren't in good shape, you'd be dead. And that really hit me hard. And then when the doctors in the hospital told me that they didn't think I should leave because if my oxygen tanked, that I wouldn't make it back. You know, those kinds of comments will make you think twice. Um, and will actually remind you of just how fragile life is and how important every moment we have really is. And so, you know, in the midst of all this feeling horrible, I began to just really appreciate and cherish the little moments with my wife and the little moments with my kids. And, and, you know, I began to just listen to tons of of worship songs and I just began to worship the Lord and I got so much closer to him than I'd been in a long time. And it was a, it was an amazing it was an amazing journey. I, I certainly wouldn't want to go through it again. Yeah. But I'm sure I'm kind of glad I did. Wow. 
What a story. We're only seven minutes and two seconds in. What a story. You know, uh, God tends to teach you your greatest lessons uh, when you're in the depths of the valley. And uh, I read in a book a long time ago by T.W. Hunt called The Mind of Christ. Uh, He said, if you praise the Lord on the mountaintops and don't do it in the valley, then that's not praise of the Lord at all. It's just praise of your feelings. Oh, my. Uh, His his worth doesn't depend on our mood. He's worthy all the time. And sometimes you got to go through the depths of a valley to rediscover that. And you know, it's funny. I've been preaching this message my whole ministry, that worship is a lifestyle. And it's not just for Sunday mornings. And it's not just for the good times, but it's for the bad times, too. But every once in a while, and I feel like it's been a lot um, in my life, uh, the Lord reminds me how much I need to worship him in the depths of the valley uh, and how much I need him, you know? Um, but anyway, um, you were going to ask me something. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking with our new friend, Charles Billingsley today, the celebrated recording artist, pastor, worship leader, and author whose latest project just released this spring is called I was made for this. I want to get to the new music in just a moment, but you told the Baptist press that this whole journey that you've walked has really given you fresh perspective. And we hear that heart coming out in your voice as you talk about it. But your quote was, I don't ever want to lead worship for the Lord in an, in an inhibited way anymore. I just don't Mm. care what people think. I just want to praise the Lord with a pure heart. Can you take us inside that? Well, I tell you, what was happening was it, it, it all it really started on that Thursday night in the hospital. Um, you know, nobody can come visit you, and you're just kind of there. And I began to pray for healing. I, I started to ask Jesus to heal me. And, I, and I, I'll be honest with you, Ryan, I was reading scriptures and, you know, things like John chapter 9, where he healed the, the blind man, and Mark chapter 2, where he heals the paralytic. And, and I was praying for a miracle healing right then and there, sitting in that hospital bed. And I kept thinking, man, how cool would that be? What a story. God heals, you know, me from COVID-19. Uh, and I just walk out of the hospital, tell the nurses, hey, man, I'm good. I'm good to go. I promise you. See you later. <laughs> but, but that's not what happened at all. In fact, um, I was laying there, and I was praying intensely for this healing to come that night, right then, in that second. And the longer the night wore on, um, you know, the, the more I was realizing he, he wasn't going to heal me. And I got upset. I really did. I got uh, frustrated and discouraged and distraught. And, and, um, and honestly, I got angry. Um, I don't know if you've ever been angry at God, but that's kind of where I was. And I kept thinking, you know, I'm doing everything your scripture says to do. Um, and I'm believing that you'll heal me and you're not healing me. And it's like, I don't know where it came from, Ryan. But suddenly it's like the Lord just brought this vision to my mind. Uh, the fact that it was Thursday night before Easter. And suddenly I just could see in my mind's eye, Jesus standing before Caiaphas, being beat to within an inch of his life, his beard being pulled out, being cursed at, spat upon, and then the beatings the next day, and then, of course, suffering on the cross and dying for me, and suddenly I felt so small and so insignificant. 
And I thought, man, here I am, here I am complaining about all this stuff. And, and I, I'd forgotten all that Jesus went through for me. But before all that started to happen in the life of Christ, he went to a garden called Gethsemane and he knelt and he prayed intensely for God to take all that stuff away from him so he wouldn't have to go through all the torture and all the pain. And God said no. And then Jesus made this prayer, and this is the thing I didn't pray. Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. And I failed to pray that that night because I simply wanted my will to be done. And I had to learn something that night, Ryan, about faith that I learned many years ago, but I, I forgot. Faith is not seeing God heal me and then me as a result believing more deeply in him. No, no, no. Faith is the evidence of things unseen, Hebrews 11 tells us. And so what God wanted me to do is not see him heal me so I'd believe more deeply. What God wanted from me was for me to believe more deeply, and then I would see him heal me. And you know what I realized now as I look back, is that he had another 10 or 12 days of, of heart surgery to do on me before I was ready to be healed. And he did. And in his way and in his time, he did heal me. Um, to his glory, but I had some real hard lessons to be reminded of before he did. And so as a result of that, you know, when you come out of that, you just want to worship the Lord. And so that comment I made to the Baptist press was simply as a result of all that happening and realizing that many times as a worship leader or in a setting in church, I'll sort of be inhibited worshiping the Lord because I don't want people to stare at me weirdly or to think think less of me or think I'm trying to be a showboat or whatever. And I just decided to get rid of all the pretense. I, you know, we're there for one purpose to worship the Lord. And so honestly, I just, that's what I want to do. And I don't want to be a distraction, but I certainly want to be free. And so I hope that honestly, thousands of other believers will do the same thing. And I think we're going to see a little difference in our churches when we're finally able to gather together under one roof again, I think that there's going to be such a hunger and a passion to worship the Lord that we may be on the brink of something really cool in this country. Well, I love that you say that. And that, I must admit, I wish that this thought had occurred to me far in advance of what it did, but we were talking with Cody Carnes a couple of weeks ago, and he said very much the same thing. And even in the context of, you know, all these virtual services that we've seen, right? And, there's so many people who have thought about going to church, right? But mm-hmm. the accessibility of being able to just go ahead and click on the live stream, how many yeah. people have accessed, you know, the message of who Jesus is during this time that maybe would mm-hmm. never have if not for this incredibly unique time in our history? Oh, listen, man. I mean, we have four times the amount of people joining us for church right now than we really? did before. And uh, that's my church, but I mean, I think I speak for lots of other churches when I say that, um, because it is the ease of just walking and sitting on your couch and, you know, clicking a button and you're there. The only two things that you miss with that experience is worshiping with fellow believers and community among other fellow believers. And so I think that's the two areas that people are really hungry for 
and I hope that they'll come back to church when church is open because of those two reasons. Yeah. But hey, even if you don't, I think we've got thousands more people tuning into the gospel than we did before, thanks to modern technology, the internet, online services, and the creative ways that so many churches are are you know communicating with their people throughout the week as well. Mr. Charles Billingsley with us today on the road uh, for Faith Radio, celebrated recording artist, pastor, worship leader, and author. His latest record is called I Was Made for This, and it just released this spring. You know, taking a look inside the trek to the album, you've said that, and this is just kind of amazing to me, uh, but you've said one of the big themes on your heart while you crafted the music was just how fragile life is and mm-hmm. that we weren't made to simply go through the motions, but to live with our God-given purpose. It's an extraordinary message always, but considering what you've just been through, I mean, that's poignant <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, it's kind of a big underline for a ton of the songs we put on this record. And the funny part is, Ryan, you know, we recorded this last fall, and set the release date in January. Right. And then all of a sudden the whole world goes through this pandemic and I'm in a hospital the very night that the thing comes out. And one of the things I did laying in the hospital was I thought, you know, I'm a, cause I always on the release date, I always listen through the record from start to finish. And I started to listen to that record. And I'm telling you, man, some of the songs on that record just broke me. And, you know, you, you kind of forget that it's you that you're listening to. I was just <laughs> listening to the songs and the lyrics that the Lord had given us in the fall. And I thought, wow, man, little did we know how timely these things would be. Even the remake of Sting's song, Fragile. I mean, good grief, yeah. you know. Eight weeks ago, ten weeks ago, we were riding high in America. And suddenly this thing hits and we got 35 million people out of work. We got the stock market crashing. We got people dying. It's it's horrific. And it's just a big reminder to all of us of how fragile everything is, man. It's just teetering on a very thin little balance there. Life, like my friend says, is, is tissue paper thin. And like James says, it's like a vapor. It's here and then it vanishes. And so <laughs> it's so important that we have a higher power and a higher calling to reach to. And that's why not having God in your life at this time has to be incredibly lonely for so many individuals. Another track that uh, will really catch your ear and catch your heart is called Play the Man. And it's an invitation Mm. for men to really step up. And it points to the greatest example of manhood that we've ever had. You've said Jesus was the Lion of Judah, but also the Lamb of God. He was strong. Mm. He was gentle. He was tough. He was tender. There's so much meaning there, Charles. Can you take us inside that? Well, you know, I'm, I'm the father of a 19-year-old boy and a 20-year-old boy. And so one of the things I wanted to do was write a song to them directly about living a lifestyle of worship. And I thought, you know, this fits the theme of this record. I was made for this. But I feel like uh, I needed to, I felt like I needed to write a song to my boys about what it means to really be a man of God, you know? And I had just finished um, my friend Mark Batterson's book called Play the Man, which is titled after uh, a first century martyr named Polycarp, who was the bishop of the Church of Smyrna, uh, a, a direct disciple of the Apostle John. 
And as a polycarp was being burned at the stake, an audible voice came out of the heavens and said, uh, be strong, polycarp, and play the man. And that's where that quote comes from. And so I used that to to be the title of the song and, and sort of the hook of the song. And, and I tell you, man, that's, that's going to be a fun song to sing if we ever get to sing live anywhere again. I'm going to do that one a lot. <laughs> I love that so much. You know, one of the unexpectedly fun parts of this job is getting to read all of the bios of the guests that your great teams put together in the fascinating thing about your bio is that it does not stop when you think that it might. Just for instance, okay? <laughs> Gifted recording artist, you were lead vocalist for New Song for a season, you've headlined more than 3,200 concerts, released 23 recordings, a worship leader, and then you're an author, teaching pastor at Thomas Road Baptist Church, Lynchburg, Virginia, an adjunct professor at Liberty University's Center for Music and Worship. Now, if you have a fear of trying new things, you have found a way to deal with it. What is your secret there, Charles? <laughs> I get bored really. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, you know, the preaching thing kind of came accidentally. I, I was just uh, leading worship, and one day my pastor, he said, hey, uh, I can't be there Sunday night. This is back in the day of Sunday night services, you know. And he said, but I think I want you to preach. And I said, what? <laughs> so I I did. And I'll never forget the comment I made when I got up. I said, uh, I said something along the lines of, man, I wish my mouth was as wet as my armpit. <laughs> <laughs> I was nervous as all get out. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, you know, that kind of broke the ice. And we, and we had a great time. And, I, and you know what? I loved it. In fact, though, I got to tell you, Ryan, I've always felt called to preach before sing, and this was going back to college, but I'll never forget I was doing a, co- a conference in Winnipeg, Canada, of all places, and uh, I was singing Steve Green's song, People Need the Lord. Do you remember that yes, song? Yes, yes. Uh, what a great classic. And you know what? I feel like the Holy Spirit distinctly spoke to me during that song and said, you are called to preach but it's going to be four and a half minute long sermon set to music. And so that's all of time, my whole career, that's been what's determined the lyrics and the songs that I record and write and sing is, is I think of them in terms of four and a half minute sermons. And so I've always looked at myself as a preacher who just happens to be preaching his sermons through singing. But now that I've been preaching once a month at Thomas Road, you know, that is a new kind of a new art that I have to learn how to craft and, and the crafting of words and the shaping of stories and, and all these things has just become a great fun for me. And so I, I love to preach and uh, I get to here at the church once a month, which is plenty for me. I mean, <laughs> it takes me a long time to write a sermon. <laughs> and so I, uh, I, I, I like this pace. This is good. I love it so much. Well, once again, the album is called I Was Made for This. Charles Billingsley has been with us today. What a tremendous conversation this has been. And just a few minutes left, but we don't want to go anywhere without saying if we want to learn more about you, sir, pick up a copy of the music. Where should we begin the voyage of discovery, sir? Oh, goodness. I, you know, I guess my website's the best place to start, charlesbillingsley.com. 
Um, that's S-L-E-Y on the end of Billingsley. But um, you can also find the, the music, you know, on iTunes, Spotify. If you want a physical copy, just email us there on that website, charlesbillingsley.com. Go to my store there, and, and we'll ship you a, a physical copy of the CD. So whatever you want. But listen, I'm just honored to have been with you, and I'm grateful for everybody listening. Uh, stay strong in this thing. And remember, fear is not an option. We're on the winning side. Well, thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. And it was just, I got to say, it was just a joy to talk with you today because after all you've been through, and we're so glad about your recovery, you just sound to me, sir, like a man revitalized, like a man who is fully alive. (laughs) So it was a real pleasure to talk with you. Man, thanks, Ryan. I do. I I feel like I've come out from this thing and I'm ready and raring to go and and God is good man God is good so thank you my friend thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road for more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com Thanks so much for listening to On the Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at MyFaithRadio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On the Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook. And our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.